WIFA Waves is sponsored by WIFA Accelerator, an education hub to amplify your career. Shop the hub or explore our persona pathways to find all the ways that you can accelerate your career trajectory and make meaningful partnerships along the way. We want to help you crush your near and long-term goals. So collaborate with us over at womeninfitness.org backslash accelerate. Hello, I am Lindsay Rainwater, founder and CEO of the Women in Fitness Association. And I'm Morgan Hills Adetoye, director of all things WIFA. And this is WIFA Waves the sound waves of your career. A podcast devoted to supporting the who, what, and how of your career trajectory. We got you. Let's ride these waves together. Yeah, let's do it. Well, welcome to WIFA Waves. We have an incredible show for you today, mostly because we have a powerhouse gal with us today. Miss Arielle Belgrave is joining Morgan and I. I cannot wait to hear her story. I'm going to share a little bit about her first. She is a leading voice in women's health, a certified health coach and fitness trainer. She is the CEO of Gym Hookie. Her mission is to help busy women hit their body goals through her signature approach, which is the lean method. She's helped thousands of women from all over the world adopt simple and sustainable healthy habits that suits their body, lifestyle, and goals. She's also a sponsored athlete from Under Armour, a corporate fitness partner, a lead fitness trainer for Tone It Up, and she is also a WIFA board member. Uh, her commitment to women's wellness has earned her opportunities from Fortune 100 companies, influence health um, programs of top colleges, not to mention brands like um, Women's Health, Shape, L, Pop Sugar, Huff Post. Um, before Jim Hookie, she had a career specifically with corporate HR, and she works for organizations like Facebook, JP Morgan, and she really focused on roles of designing and developing programs to increase employee engagement. So uh, she's also a wife of and a graduate, and I'm so excited to have her on the show today. Welcome, Ari. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited for this conversation today. Me too. And we, <laughs> you know, the the way that Morgan and I like to kick off every WIFA wave is interview is let's tell the audience about your WIFA story. So how did you, what's maybe your fondest WIFA memory? I'm sure you have some fun stories to share, um, especially being a board member. Yeah. So my introduction to WIFA was actually through one of the existing board members, Amira. And the story how we connected was I responded. So during the time of, um, well, we're always in the time of Black Lives Matter, but at the height of it this year, um, Amira had sent uh, a letter to her listserv on Truck Club. So I was on her listserv. And it was just so a very thoughtful uh, and genuine message as it relates to the support of Black Lives. And I ne I've never done this before, but I replied to it. <laughs> and I was like, this was just very, this was a very genuine, like very well written. I wasn't expecting her to reply. And she ended up replying. And I mean, from there, we're like, you know, we should connect. And she told me all about WIFA and her role and what she does for her business. And from there, she was like, hey, there's, I'm doing a panel uh, for WIFA on expanding your influence and leading change. And I think you'd be perfect. So that was like my real full intro um, into WIFA. And I was able to be on the panel and connect, share my, connect with amazing women, share my story. And what I do think is important here for uh, WIFA members listen listening is the power of the WIFA community. So after speaking on that panel, um, I not only got more engaged with WIFA, but I was able to connect with some of the panelists, one of them being Sadie of 305 Fitness. And we ended up doing a partnership um, leveraging both of our platforms to bring movement um, during this time for COVID-19. So WIFA is about connecting people. And let me tell you, my whole story was about connection. <laughs> I am so happy to hear that because literally that 
I'm trying not to say literally, but you just, you summarized what we're here to do, which is, you know, 10X accelerate women's careers because of connection and collaboration. Right, Morgan? Yeah, I was just about to say the same thing. Nothing makes me happier than hearing people say, you know, the things that Lindsay and I work so hard to do are actually in action. And that's something that I love about WIFA is the connection. And it's something that I personally we were talking about superpowers the other day, right? And I said that I felt like my superpower was connecting people and networking. And so I am so glad that, you know, that's a superpower of WIFA as well. And I also wanted to mention that I think it's really cool to highlight about you replying to um, Amira's email, because I think I, I don't know, some brands, it probably does just go to a black hole somewhere. <laughs> but mm -hmm. for WIFA, like I and we receive every email that's replied back to any of our email campaigns. And so I get a lot of feedback from those on the rare chance that someone does reply for our operations team. And um, sometimes it's, most of the time, it's extremely positive. And then sometimes it's like, hey, I think that you could do a better job of XYZ. And I'm like, you know what? Thank you for giving that feedback. So I do want to just say that because I think um, it's a great opportunity for anyone listening that if you really have something on your heart that you see via an email campaign to just reply and see what happens because then you don't have to like think about it later. I'm like, man, I wish I would have said amazing job or you should work on this or whatever it might be. But that yeah, and someone usually receives those. Yeah, and there could be an opportunity on the other side of that feedback, whatever you're sharing. Um, and for me, it was, you know, it was a time where it was like a highly sensitive time. And I think just acknowledging it and what I learned from her, she was like, man, like that meant a lot to get that feedback because, you know, it's a sensitive, it's a sensitive time and you want to make sure that you're saying the right things, you're representing your company in a way that people will remember, you know. Um, so, you know, just always just, Giving, giving feedback, if, if it's uh, constructive feedback, if it's great feedback, you name it. I think it's great. <laughs> Agreed. Thank you for saying that. Um, tell us a little bit about your early childhood. Any memories that you have or that your parents have told you about who you were as a little person? And um, if there's anything that informs your actions today? Yeah, so I'm gonna share a story that I've never shared before. I've done podcasts and I haven't shared the story before, but I'll start with saying that uh, generally speaking, my personality was very different younger. I was actually really quiet. The irony now, my mom's like, oh my gosh, night and day. I was a very quiet child. <laughs> um, but the story that I want to share is um, my mom teaching my siblings and I, I have uh, two brothers and one sister, the importance of giving to others and being grateful for we what we have. So. Both of my parents are immigrants. Um, didn't We didn't have much growing up, but we made the best of what we did have. And what was important for my mom was to make sure that while we didn't have, you know, what was considered uh, wealth <laughs> by any means, we still can show up for people in the best way that we can. So one of those things was during Christmas time, um, every December, my mom would take us to the local mall and and that local mall, there was every, always a, a, a Christmas tree during the holidays. And the Christmas tree would have tags from foster um, children who would have requests for gifts. And my mom would have us choose, pick a tag, and we'll go to the toy store. A lot of times it was toys because there were kids. Uh, we'll go to the toy store and we'll pick this gift. And we'll um, you know, go through the process of wrapping it and writing the, um, the child a letter. And it was more than just giving. It was, what was the caveat was that we would give one of our own gifts for, that we would have received for Christmas. So my mom wanted to make sure that we understood the value of, of giving, um, but then, you know, just being grateful for what we do have. And, you know, I grew up with this mentality of not ever feeling like, no matter what I have, I try to give in some way. And it doesn't have to be a toy or monetization. It can be knowledge. It can be, you know, time um energy you name it and that has always been my mentality and i i've just always been this giving person it has its pros and cons i'll tell you that right now i've had to learn to set boundaries <laughs> um but yeah that's my story on 
on, on, on my mom teaching us about giving. I love that so much. That's really amazing. And kudos to your mother. And yeah, I, I hear you. I'm glad that you do have those boundaries because, right, it's easy to um, not, it's easy to have something that's a really positive attribute of yourself sometimes be taken advantage of or, or whatever it may be. But I just appreciate you for sharing that story. And as a future parent, definitely taking notes. I love that. Oh, thank you. It's clever. It's, it's funny now because I have a, appreciate, a greater appreciation for it now that I'm older. Before it was like, you know, we're writing this letter, but now it's, I'm just like, wow, like that is a very meaningful gesture and, and it stuck with me. And that is similar to myself when, when my days come with being able to have children, I will definitely want that tradition to, to continue. Ari, super formative, that entire, you know, how your mom helped carve out that way of thinking because the gesture is magical and then the the theme behind that and the generosity I definitely see you give to your community in that way every single day and I'm I'm curious if there was any parlay for you from early childhood to your first literal job that maybe shows up today in your day-to-day life was there any follow-through there yeah. So, you know, my first, first, so not out of college job, because out of college, I worked in finance, but my first, first job was actually a newspaper route. <laughs> um, learned a whole lot. Uh, you know, when people see newspaper uh, related things on TV and stuff, it's like just throwing the newspaper and on your bike and just keep on going uh, when it's so much more than that. Um, so what I learned through my having a newspaper route, I had about and I did it through high school. Um, I had about maybe 50 customers and I would, you know, fold the newspaper, have my little basket on the bike and, and, and go and, and, and deliver. And it was more than delivery. It taught me about providing quality service, building relationships with the customers. There were actually a lot of older um, older people who, are, who were my customers. So having conversations with them, making sure that they were okay, uh, problem solving whenever there was bad weather and rain, snow. I grew up in Boston, so definitely there's lots of snow during the winter time. And then most importantly, how to be financially responsible with money. So for those who aren't familiar with how the newspaper route works, is like, you know, you have to deliver, but then at the end of the week or, or the month, you, you're collecting um, payment. And there's a lot of responsibility that goes with that because you do have to make sure that you're, you're collecting your um, – and, and, you're just being financially responsible. When I think about all those things, while it sounded minor, it really helped set me up for the success I have with being able to eventually go into my full-time job after college with finance and learning about building relationships and, and doing really well in what I do and showing up and being reliable. Mm, girl, well, and so much of, so whether it's paper routes or like one of my favorites is working in a restaurant, like you need to scrub a toilet and carry uh-huh. it a dish bin or, yeah. you know, wake up like for me, coffee shops, like waking up at three in the morning to serve another person, a cup of coffee with a smile, but I, man, formative, right? Like the, what that does, I mean, you, I'm sure you realize this day, but you were running your own business in so many ways, right? Yes, very much so. Very much so. And my mom, like, you know, we had, to, my brothers had newspaper routes as well. So there were times where we would help each other. Be like, okay, if you can help with this, like we'll help that. And there was just this collaborative effort. My parents were a part of it. They, my parents were really big on making sure that we were getting these skills in, in our early years. And it yeah. was, and it was still something that was fun. So it wasn't like beat down and said like, you need to work. It was like, okay, you can work in this fun way. I actually really enjoyed the newspaper route, but it also encouraged me to be active. Um, so I was riding my bike and doing all these things. So there were just so many wins. It's just so crazy saying this story now because as an adult, it's, it's interpreted in such a like magical way. I'm like, man, my mom was good. It was so good. <laughs> Go mom. <laughs> awesome. Love the shout out (laughs) (laughs) of going down, you know, the career path road that we're talking about. What are um, like one to three highlights that you have a career highlights personally? Yeah. um, 
So I've had like traditions and or leaps that have happened several times in my career. So I kind of referenced this already, but I started working in finance right out of school, um, working for JP Morgan. And I would say my, my biggest highlight there was being able to move up the ladder rather quickly. So what was consistent as um, Lindsay had mentioned is I worked on employee engagement work. That was a common thread across my career when I worked in corporate. So I had the opportunity to make an impact very quickly. Um, and at 26 years old, I was handed the torch to be the global head of people agenda for JP Morgan. So that was leading the effort across for the finance and business management sector for over 50 countries. Um, and it was, it was volunteer based. So I had employees who were helping carry out initiatives like uh, philanthropy and um, wellness and career development and all these things. And I had the opportunity to lead those efforts. So that was definitely a big one. Um, the next was when I took a leap from the corporate world. I felt like I was, I was ready to make an impact in a different way and, and more in the diversity space. So I took that leap to join a nonprofit startup. And when I say leap, I mean super leap. So I was the first employee, um, program director. I had never done anything in the tech space. I just knew that I really loved to build programs from the ground up. And that's what the nonprofit needed. So it's called Dev Color, where there was a focus on helping black software engineers advance in technology. It's no secret that diversity lacks thereof when it comes to uh, the Bay Area. So I ended up moving with, to the Bay Area with my husband. And that was just a very gratifying role. I did it for a year. And it was just very gratifying because I was able to make an impact in a different way. Um, and <laughs> being the first employee, let me tell you, you do everything down to like taking out the trash partnerships, all of it. Uh, so I'd learned a lot. And then finally would be that final leap that I recently took this year would be uh, leaping. Um, oh, so I didn't mention as I, after the nonprofit, I, I ended up working at Facebook. And that was through a definitely a six degree of separation where I had partnered with Facebook while working for the nonprofit. And essentially they stole me. <laughs> um, and I ended up working for Facebook, did that for almost three years. But all while doing all these things that I just described, I had Jim Hookie happening on the side. So I was really focused on helping build the confidence of women when it comes to wellness. And this year I took that leap. Um, it was heavy on my heart to leap and really show up fully in this space. So that is probably my latest and greatest and boldest and courageous move that I've taken um, in my career. That is a huge career leap, the one that you just described as far as leaving what some might call the comfort of like a specific, you know, I don't know if you work nine to five, but so I want to highlight a couple things. One is I am so impressed and am just the opportunities that you were given at the age you were given them is astounding and I so admire that about you and then also your willingness to jump right into gym hooky full-time is such a tremendous and admirable move so good on you for representing what's possible and for doing it in a way that really inspires others mm -hmm. yeah and I want to mention that like it's clear that you know how to like you create a way for yourself to make an impact quickly right so yes you were given these opportunities but it's very clear that the only way that you can become the global head of people at JP Morgan at 26 is because you have a really unique way of making an impact um, and being seen mm -hmm. very quickly so that's it's just really incredible to hear your story I'm also very impressed and um, think it's so great also for other people to hear mm -hmm. these stories of, um, you know, you're still a young woman and the fact <laughs> that you've taken so many leaps in your formative and early years of your careers, um, really inspirational. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. That means a lot. And I think mm -hmm. for me, it's, it's this drive. So I, what I didn't mention is um, I was a first generation college student. So I was the first mm -hmm. to do it all. And, and you know what, all these worlds are, it's unknown. Like taking these leaps are scary. I was the first person to work in a corporate environment, first person to work for a nonprofit and be the first employee. And like, 
I also had to make sure my mindset was right because these are things that are scary to my parents who worked really mm-hmm. hard, you know, to want me to, to be able to, to be successful in this world where not everyone wants me to be successful. Mm-hmm. And it's scary, um, but I feel like I've built this shield of just belief that's really helped drive me forward. Mm. I appreciate you underscoring that because it's, I can really relate to what you're describing and whether it's career milestones, um, being you being the, the first person in your family to experience certain career milestones or just even the surpassing what you what you saw growing up. So I remember the first time that I surpassed the level internally that my dad was at, like the job that I saw him, you know, the level in the organization he was at the first time that I surpassed that growing into and holding that space for yourself. It's a really big deal. And to be able to do that in a humble way, um, good on you lady for, for showing what's possible. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And kudos to you too. Yes, to trailblazing, because that's that's what, yes. that's what we're doing, right? We're we're creating legacies. And I think that's, that's right. um, we should always have that top of mind in, in what we do. Yep, we're demonstrating what's possible. And speaking of what's possible, you know, you've been in your career in corporate space, you were, and you talked a little bit about it, but Tell us more about what the transition looked like from side hustle to full-time work, because I believe, especially in the fitness space, so many women in particular do have side hustles that they work either during nap time if they have kids or in the evenings and weekends when their family is, when they're not, you know, momming full-time or whatever the dynamic is, that's pretty common. So Tell us how you traversed from side hustle to full-time hustle for Jim Hookie. Yeah. So my, so I actually side hustle with Jim Hookie for five years. I had started just to give a little background on the story. Um, hopefully Jim Hookie is what it sounds like. <laughs> Skipping the gym. Yes. Um, but I, while I was working in corporate and finance, I was working a lot um, around the clock, especially in my first year. Honestly, it was like 80 plus hour weeks. And I played rugby in college. So making that transition from being an athlete and, you know, being held accountable for showing up to practice and, and making sure I'm fueling my body with health, with, with healthy foods and all these things, um, kind of went away once I joined the corporate world, uh, or at least was hard to when you didn't have accountability. So I, you know, went through this phase of, of just not being myself from gaining weight and low energy and downing like four to five cups of coffee a day just to stay energized. And I ended up creating Gym Hookie after I myself was like, okay, I have this gym membership. It's not like, it's so out of my way to go to the gym. I need to find a way to work out at home. And I ended up, you know, getting the basics, dumbbells, yoga ball, and created my own home gym. And I was working with a lot of women at the time within the HR space. And they were like, wow, like your transformation has been awesome. Like, I would love to be your gym partner. Like, can we go to the gym together? And I did let them know that I was actually working on it at home. So what that ended up trans- transitioning to was me providing. And I just put together a Tumblr and was like, okay, I'm going to share my workouts that I do live here. And I shared that with them. And Eventually, January 2015, I ended up creating uh, Instagram and launching Jim Hookie as a brand and trying to create this movement around all movement matters, even if it's 15 minutes. And it doesn't just have to be you going to the gym, you could do it at home. So just to give background on that. Now, started that when I was in finance, continued to do that while I worked for Dev Color, then also at Facebook. And in this time, I'd like to say there was just a lot of growth. It did help that I had a full-time job. So there was less pressure to make money from Jim Hookie and more on focus on building my brand and providing. I knew for me when I started Jim Hookie, I wanted it to be more look at me and more or less of look at me and more of learn from me. I did want it to be a learning platform, a platform of inspiration, motivation. So fast forward to working at Facebook. Um, also worked around the clock and within this last year honestly was where i really started to feel like i was having to choose one or the other so some of the things you mentioned in the beginning i'm a sponsored under armor athlete there's tone it up all these things was happening while i was working at facebook and i started to get to a place where 
I had to choose. I'm like, okay, well, I have this big project coming up for work. I can't do this Under Armour shoot. And I feel like I was losing motive, uh, lo losing opportunity. Oh, never motivation. I'm always motivated. <laughs> uh, losing opportunities. And there was all, it was also coupled with burnout. So I had a couple of experiences that I really feel like forced me to really reflect on not only where I was in my career, but the impact that I wanted to have. And I mentioned the word legacy. What do I want to be known for? What do I want to leave behind um, when whenever I leave this world? And for me, it was really, I realized that wellness outweighed some of the work that I was doing in corporate. And mm -hmm. I, I attended a couple of events that helped give me that clarity. So one was in October of last year, I attended a conference called Pace to Be Brave. And it was really a confidence booster for me to surround myself with other women. So there was other women entrepreneurs. And this was the first time I put myself in a setting with women who were doing it. Because a lot of the times I was surrounding myself with a lot of tech people. And, you know, it's a tech mind. It's like, okay, I'm going to work in corporate for the rest of forever. <laughs> uh, but working, there was something about surrounding yourself with entrepreneurs where there's just, there's this different drive um, and excitement to do things on your own. So they had us write a letter to my to your to myself, and if um, just to give more context on this, you can go to my Instagram. I actually shared this letter to our future selves, our October twenty twenty selves, really laying out like, "Hey, this is what your life is going to be like in twenty years." Like this, you're speaking to Ari, and I wrote this letter, and it was like a moment for me, like, "Whoa, I am writing these things down, and I need to make this happen." So that was one. And then in January, I attended a summit in Atlanta, where this was huge for me. Let me tell you guys, like. I never thought I'd be a mindset like person at all. Like I'm like, I'm a doer, but I realized that there was a lot of fear holding me back. And I attended this conference in Atlanta in January and it really checked me. Like it, woo, it whipped me in shape when it came to the mindset that I have because I was operating out of fear. And while I thought that I could do well with Jim Hookie, I really didn't think I could do well with Jim Hookie. And I had this mindset shift of abundance versus scarcity um so there was that and then finally going to therapy i i started to have thoughts on leaving facebook but i didn't i wanted to make sure that it wasn't just an emotional decision and i did realize i learned that i was in burnout for a solid year and it wasn't because of my gym cookie work it was like the the demand of my work in corporate so um all these things gave me so much clarity and the clarity that i had was i was capable and capable of and it was time to bet on myself. And I ended up um, giving my notice in February. Y'all, it just so happens that my <laughs> first day <laughs> of an entrepreneur was the first day of COVID. Ugh, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. You know what I love about your story is that you embody doing the work. Like you have gotten to know yourself and done the self-discovery work that it really takes when the when days are hard and the world's coming at you there has to be an underlying baseline of self-esteem and self-love to generate the momentum it takes to get through days like that and I hear that you've done that work so good on you thank you thank you it's so important it's so mm -hmm. important I think oftentimes people just focus on making the money in their business but not mm -hmm. realizing that your mindset and that self-discovery, it's really is what's gonna help propel things forward, especially when times are hard because building a business is not easy. And I know you can speak to this, even having built WIFA, it, there are hard times, things are mm -hmm. not gonna be perfect, but mm -hmm. it's, it's knowing that you believe in yourself and you can continue to go on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh yes, I know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I would, I definitely encourage anyone to go to Ari's um, Instagram, Jim Hookie, to um, learn more about that letter that you wrote to yourself because I watched you walk through that and it was really powerful to see and just so cool. You know, I think that I've done that activity before, but oh my gosh, so long ago. And what a cool thing to actually try to implement more into our lives. Like even every year, like writing, uh, you know, a letter to our next year's self. And cause I agree. I think once you write those things down, much like anything, it's like, okay, now I need to do this. <laughs> and if, if you're like us, I think that that makes, um, 
I definitely, once I write it down, I'm like, oh, well, I just put it out there. So I'm going to do what I can to create that. So good on you for sure. Yeah. Speaking more about um, how you mentioned uh, Under Armour and Tone It Up and some other partnerships that you've um, curated, what advice actually would you give to someone who is looking to create some meaningful partnerships? Yeah, it's a great, great question. So I would say for starters, and I kind of referenced this on, on how I focus on building my brand um, first while I was side hustling. So my main advice would always be to focus on building your brand first. And what comes with that is having a consistent message, um, understanding who your audience is and providing content. I think oftentimes people, you know, we're in this time where things move fast and we want, we want it and we want it now. We want gratification like of yesterday. And that's not what it, that's not how it works when it comes to building a brand or, and, or eventually being able to work with brands. So focus on building trust with your audience, share the knowledge you have so they know who they can go, so they know what they can go to um, when it comes to you and your business. Brands take such a close look at these things when they're, when they're looking for partners. They're looking for, and I, I mean, I can speak to the influencer space, but they're looking for people who are aligned with their mission, their values, and represent their brand well. Um, so definitely make sure that you're putting in that work for that. And, and I can just briefly share about how I even got the Under Armour sponsorship. So I'm sharing that you should focus on building your brand because that is exactly what I did to get a deal like Under Armour. I am not, I don't have any affiliation with an agent or I don't have a manager or any of that. They found me through Instagram. And what they learned, you know, businesses go through their phases of really focusing and honing in on certain things. And when your brand is consistent, it's, able, it's easier for them to be able to know how you can work together to make that happen on both ends. So for myself, I was consistent with serving the women community and really helping build up women and get them moving their bodies. At that time where Under Armour was on the hunt, they were really trying to get in front of lifestyle audience when it came to women. So Under Armour is known for performance wear um, for the sports, the super athlete, I'd say, right? Um, so when they reached out to myself, they were looking for six women in the U.S. who were in the lifestyle space. And I was one of them. And the reason why they found me was because there were people who were taking, who were doing my 15-minute workouts on Instagram. And they were listening to my stories. And these people worked at Under Armour. So it wasn't just someone who was in the influencer marketing space. I was recommended by people who I had built trust with. So you never know who is watching. I think, you know, we're, we're kind of caught up in the likes and the views and all that. And just because people aren't commenting or liking doesn't mean that they're not loving your content. So continue to provide and put out there, put it out there. And Under Armour ended up, our, our values were aligned. So that's the other thing I do want to mention is when you think about these partnerships, right? There are a lot of brands that exist. And if you're someone, I'm assuming you're in the, you're in the wellness industry, there are brands that just because it's in the well, in wellness industry doesn't mean that they align with your audience, um, the message that you're giving your audience. So do make sure that when you're, when you're striving for these partnerships, be, be picky, right? Like you don't want to just partner with anyone. You want to align with partnership, uh, go with partnerships that align with your brand. My other thought here is to start small, Yes, Under Armour is a big brand, but I ended up partnering with Under Armour three years into starting my business. Everything else I was doing, I was partnering with nonprofits. I was collabing. I was doing all these things. And small, smaller partnerships are actually going to really help you warm up to the larger ones. So you can consider joining influencer marketing platforms um, like Find Your Influence, like Brand Ambassador, Activate, Isaiah. You can literally just Google influencer marketing platforms. And these platforms sole goal is to connect you as an influencer or as a, a business owner to brands that are looking for partnerships. So as I mentioned, brands are going through phases where they may want to put their product and services in front of audiences. And if your audience is perfect for it, they'd want to work with you. So definitely do that and be proactive um, with, you know, reaching out and you can reach out in so many different ways, the power of social media, you can reach out through DM, you can reach out through LinkedIn, um, you can, 
you know, use your network to see how you can be a part of smaller campaigns in order to get to larger ones. So lots of advice there, but yeah, those are my thoughts mm. on partnerships. There's so much more that can be said, but that's just <laughs> what's top of mind right now. Mind blown, mind blown. <laughs> oh my gosh, Morgan, are you, I was like taking notes. Ari, you're a genius. <laughs> yeah, no joke. I loved everything you said and I'm, I just, I'm super inspired by how you have gotten to where you are and I just can't wait to see all of the things that you have yet to do. Oh, thank you guys. You're the best. <laughs> so Ari, you have partnerships with some incredible brands and you just told us the Under Armour story. Is there any other advice or like a step one that you would suggest to someone wanting to get into making meaningful partnerships? Because you have an incredible story and I would bet that some um, folks out there that want to get into being an influencer, they don't know what the first step is. And you alluded to making sure that you're on point with value and creating community. But is there like a step zero anyone could do if they f are feeling like they're having trouble navigating what to do first? Yeah. Um, let's see. I mean, I mentioned starting small, but I would say see where there's opportunities for to, to, to do to partner with smaller brands, and then you can create this powerhouse together. So social media, super, super powerful, super powerful. Now, you can't just reach out to people and be like, I wanna partner with you, and then you're not providing on your end. So you do have to make sure you're putting, like I can't emphasize this enough, you have to make sure you're putting out content. You have to build that trust, and it's not just for your audience, it's for people who may potentially want to work with you. And yes, I get it, it takes time, but this time that you're putting it in is going to be absolutely worth it. So when I, sit, when I think of starting with zero, it's starting with exactly what I said in the beginning, building your brand first. Um, definitely, I, would, I, I can't emphasize this enough as well, really consider joining these influencer marketing platforms. Like I've had some really cool opportunities where, um, and the way it works, I actually want to explain more about the influencer marketing platform because you should, you should do this like now, now. And it's not just, you don't have to have 10,000 followers or 20,000 followers. Now more than ever, brands are actually looking for micro-influencers. So those are people who are even in the 5,000 5, 5, 5, follower range because what they realized is the more, the more followers that people have, actually the lower the engagement. So now there's this interesting, this window of like, okay, well, people who have 5,000 to maybe 50,000, there's, they're, they're likely to really engage people. So make sure that you're joining these influencer marketing platforms because now a lot of companies are putting their dollars towards influencer marketing. It's less of, yes, I, commercials are happening and, and, and ads are happening, but influencers are the jam right now. And even if you don't, you're an influencer, okay? If you are providing content, if you are inspiring people, if you have a business, you're an influencer, do not fall into this, putting yourself in this bucket of, uh, of what an influencer should look like with a perfect feed and all these things on, on the gram. You're an influencer if you're providing. Now, how you choose to provide is really up to you. And these influencer marketing platforms can really help connect you to brands that you otherwise wouldn't have access to. So I would Google, I, I know I named a few, um, Activate, Isaiah, Find Your Influencer Brand Ambassador, but there are so many more. And what happens is you can actually tick off what's your, um, what's your category. So for me, it's lifestyle, it's wellness, it's women. And I will get notified when there are partnerships that I may be able to apply for or whoever's working within that company, they may contact me directly. So I've been able to work with really cool companies, even down to Dove or, or meal prep companies and all these things that are looking to get their brand in front of people. So I would say start there. A lot of people actually don't know about the influencer marketing plat platforms. So that's why I want to really push that because that can be a good place to start. Yeah, Ari, I didn't know a lot of what you just said. I have always been, you know, the, just the, the, the level of detail in which you just described it seriously so magical that and I believe there are so many women in the WeFA network that could do exactly what you just described and probably start making money on the side because they 
are already doing what you're describing. They just might not be getting paid for it. That's exactly right. And I will say an addition. So with these, so A, these are free. So, I mean, there may be some that they may ask for a fee, but honestly, the ones that I named here are free. You're helping them by being an influencer that can be an option for a brand. So definitely sign up. And like, even if you sign up for many, you just never know what opportunities you'll get. But now I will say that it can range from being product type of compensation to actually getting paid. And it's really up to you. For me, I really, I'm very thoughtful on what the return on investment can be. So say that, I don't know, um, right now where I'm I'm decorating my home and really working on my space, given it being work from home. So I may do something for a company that does like standing desks, because that's, I'm just totally throwing that out there, Um, has lamps or, or things like that. And the exchange could be, you know, product to, for them to promote. But then there's the option of also ask, asking for compensation. And one thing that I will say when it comes to this is really think about, I get a lot of questions on rates and how much I should charge. And what, I, what is said, I think, just in general is that you can charge um, $100 per post. So say it's over Instagram, $100 per post for every thousand followers that you have. So that's a good base baseline, but it could be more depending on what they're asking of you. But that's a, a really good way to, to start with like understanding what your value can be. Hmm. Such so good much info. great. <laughs> yeah, so much great information. I also wanted to mention too, like, make sure you do your research too about some platforms because people will reach out and then just do your research like you should do for everything. But there are certain platforms out there that may not actually be delivering on what they say. And it sounds like obviously these are definitely trusted platforms that you suggested. So I personally am super excited for WeFA's purposes to look into those and uh, just really appreciate you for sharing all of that. Yeah. And you know what, that's a great point that you raised Morgan, because one thing that I love about these platforms specifically they're created to streamline the process. So it's very different than someone who just reach out to your email and ask you to do X and promise you these are um, what's a part of this. And as you join it, you'll see there's, it manages everything down to compensation, down to contracts, everything is in one place. So it's less of this back and forth, not knowing if they're going to follow through, not going to, not knowing if they're going to pay you and all these things. So everything is in one place and they've just built this really professional uh, experience when it comes to being able to partner with brands. Wow. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. So yeah. It, and, and again, it's called influencer marketing. Like it's, I get it. Not everyone is like on the gram or any of that, but it, try it out, try it out. It's another opportunity for streams of income for yourself, especially during this time where online having an online impact is so important. It's mm. so important. Mm-hmm. Snaps mm-hmm. to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, all the knowledge. <laughs> right? Well, I know I have like that gif of like dropping, dropping the mic. <laughs> um, kind of to tie a bow on this and then we'll get into some fun rapid fire questions. But, you know, just what you were speaking of, of the industry changing so much and really more into that digital age. Um, what is something that you are happy to see as a change in the industry? Great question. I would say the work of fitness professionals being taken more seriously and not viewed as fitness. And this is something that I feel so much stronger on now that I'm even more into it full time, but I'm blessed to be able to work with corporations, um, especially during this time for COVID. So really partnering with bringing wellness into companies. And I feel like people don't know what goes into planning an event. Like in people's mind, it's like, oh, it's just a fitness class. But what we have to do leading up to that requires a lot, right? It's putting together playlists. It is putting together a a fitness experience that makes sense for the audience. It's preparing for virtual engagement, all these things. And I think that people may just think, of it as being this thing that takes five minutes when it requires so much more, including our energy. So what I'm hoping for when I see this shift in the industry 
is the knowledge of the people we're serving. Like knowing that we're bringing, we're bringing a lot and, and moving people's bodies is really giving so much. It's, it's helping with productivity levels. It's helping with the healthcare system, all these things. And it's so much deeper. So yeah, more respect for the work that we are doing as mm. professionals. You're singing my song. Ari, <laughs> so much of why WIFA exists. And I am so pumped. Morgan knows this has been a hot button for me for some time, but especially in this next year, starting yesterday, but it's been on my mind for a while, is we have to help women in particular be compensated for all the time they spend, not the actual time delivering a service, because there's so much that goes into creating workouts, and I am not happy with the trading all hours per dollar model that especially health clubs put out there right now and I'm ready to change that for the whole industry and what you just described and I'm I'm really grateful because we've got some um you know women like yourself that really believe in women being paid fairly people get being paid fairly for um what they are delivering on because it's being a <laughs> being a, a fitness professional is a prestigious role it takes so much to really do it um, in the way like at the level like you deliver and so the compensation should match that and then some that's right like yes. we are this it's my love language at the moment is yes <laughs> seriously it, it's huge it's huge. Ugh, yes, I, compensation is a whole nother thing because i find myself like fighting, fighting these battles and i actually i'm going to manifest this but i actually feel that learning this process, I'm going to really be able to like take these learnings and help other fitness professionals do just make it happen too, because your value is so, so important in this space. And like, we really can't help people. We, we can't make other industries tell us what our values are. We have to, no. we have to put it out there and let it be known, you know? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And the, you know, oh gosh, it's, um, I think about a service like delivering, being a massage therapist and, you know, no one has any trouble paying up to a hundred dollars an hour for someone to give them a massage. And mm. I think a uh, delivery of like a personal training session or delivery of a programmed um, 30 minutes or hour of fitness should be looked at no different and it should be compensated um, similar, but more or more to that type of structure. So um, I digress, but I feel excited <laughs> that there's, you know, that conversation and then action to follow it is mission critical, mission critical. Yeah. Well, it's different times now. It's, um, I would say that it's, it's time for people to take the industry back almost in a sense in, in these conversations around personal training and group fitness training and what, you know, what you're delivering on as a fitness professional a lot of people were forced, you know, in 2020 to go into entrepreneurship and figure out how to create their own following and all of this stuff because they didn't have a place, you know, they didn't have a physical place to go to anymore to teach. And then they got to name their price mm -hmm. and being able to name your price in a very empowered way. I think we're going to see a huge shift when, mm. when clubs do fully open up and when boutiques open fully back up because you now have a leg to stand on to say like, well, this is what I've been getting. <laughs> so right. you need to pay me that. Otherwise I will just continue and I'll take all of your clients probably too. <laughs> so yeah. I think yeah. that um, it's a really empowering time as much as it's a really freaking rough time for a lot of fitness professionals. It's also a really empowering time. Yeah. And you know what? I, I am most excited. I mean, when it comes to having a community, it's really about sharing and learning best practices as it relates to these things. So for those who are listening, I encourage you to share, right? Like we don't, there are different environments that we're in. Yes. I know that different cities, depending on where you live, cost of living, all these things, but just understanding your value, just, I would love for us to have open conversations on negotiation and what numbers look like when you're working with corporate companies. And I'll be honest, I've had, I've been blessed to be able to leverage people who are not necessarily, so here's what I will say. 
I realized for myself, you know, a lot of my corp uh, corporate clients are tech companies. And I realized that there aren't as, I don't have this person that I can just go to and be like, okay, how much are you charging? I realized that I may be it at least with being so closely connected to tech companies because I worked in tech. So now for myself, I've had to really reach out to other people, other speakers and be like, you know, what are you charging for X? And it blows my mind when people are like, oh yeah, like I'm making, you know, $10,000 to do like a one hour workshop. And I'm like, what? <laughs> insane and, and it can be really frustrating when we know that <laughs> the amount of time that we're taking to even teach a 30-minute class it's not just the class it's all the time for preparation and when they are explaining like oh well I'm like well ten thousand dollars like what do you <laughs> like is is this knowledge gonna be like groundbreaking what? like life-changing like, <laughs> you know and it's how you sell it right so uh, there are a couple things I mentioned in the beginning where it's like to a, a larger company it's you know, when your employees are feeling their best, they're able to bring their best in what they're doing. And while one class may just seem like one class, you can get someone out of a funk and make them do the most amazing presentation that can get you a crazy investment. Like you just really wow. never know how that one class can really have an impact. Um, then there's also the option of like recording, right? So if they're gonna, they can record you and use you, but then you gotta make sure you get paid for that. And these are things that, I was just not like, I'm in a legal high right now and I'm not going to get dive into it, but I'm like, woo, uses rights and licensing and all these things. And like, these are the things that people are breaking down when they're telling me what they're charging for. And we don't see it that way in the fitness industry. I feel like we're like, okay, we're charging to do a class. So we have to check ourselves too on, on, on what we're charging for. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I'm just Preach, gonna, girl. I'm just going <laughs> to sit over here and smile because I'm loving that. I'm surrounded by so many brilliant women. Mm, you know, it is so true. It is. And, you know, the other thing that I think as fitness professionals that we maybe don't invest in as much is ourselves mm -hmm. and is in um, having people around you to consult you on these things. And, yes, that can be kind of a um, financial um, you know, upfront thing, but if you have like really great consulting around you from the very beginning, you're just set up for so much more success instead of, you know, having to be like, okay, well, I'm just going to do this free class. And then actually having, you know, we have so many women within WIFA that are actually business consultants and things of that sort that have done what we're talking about and can totally help you. Um, bypass what can be years <laughs> of yeah. being taken advantage of and jumpstart you in truly protecting yourself and your brand and your value. Morgan, I am snapping to that. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you guys, mm -hmm. I, Lord, ladies, gals, whoever's on the call, um, that was the number one thing that I learned going into full-time entrepreneurship. I chose to invest and it, it's exactly what you say. It's, it's literally taking the back door. Like so the things that I've learned in the last seven to eight months would have taken me about three to five years, the average person. Mm -hmm. Like when I think about pitching to companies, when I think about, um, you know, I, I recently, I launched my lean program in May of this year. And the reason why I was able to do that just a couple months out of, out of working in corporate was because I joined a program. I was willing to invest. And there are people who have, so much knowledge that they can share in their sleep and yes they're charging for it and i get it times are hard you know there there may be payment options there's things you can do but absolutely do your research sometimes people can sell that they can help you and honestly they're not as popping it's all fluff so make sure you do your research make sure you're looking at testimonials checking out their website checking out their content if there's someone who has podcasts listen to it if they have a facebook group join it this is how you're going to be able to be a part of the greater conversation and learn, 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 and, ch and just choose to invest in yourself if you can't afford to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, Ari, I'm so grateful that we got to talk to you today, and I'm so happy for our audience that they get to download a podcast like this and if they sit there and take notes and actually do the things that you described totally leapfrog where they're at in their career so let's let's wrap up this conversation with some rapid fire questions they Ooh. are 
I think Morgan can agree with me. This is one of my favorite parts of the podcast. <laughs> okay. Yes. So, okay. I will start us off and then Morgan, uh, we'll just take it from there. So since, um, what do I want to ask you first? Okay. What is your favorite current beauty hack that you, it's like your go-to daily staple? Oh my gosh. Um, I, a face wash. <laughs> I wash my face daily and I drink lots of water. That is so important. Those are so good. good. <laughs> yeah. No, it's literally like, I don't think, okay. Gabrielle Union, everyone. She says that the reason that she still looks like she's 20 years old is because of how much water she yeah. drinks. I also think it's her gen genetics, but I have like the second that I read that Gabrielle Union was like, water, water, water. I was like, cool. How do I drink the most water? <laughs> um, Another, this is a newer question, but I just heard it and I thought it was fun. Who would you want to play you in a movie? Ooh, that's a mm. good one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, that's around my age. Uh, what is her name? Her, her, she's slipping my, my mind. Uh, she's the, in black-ish. Um, uh, oh my gosh! I the daughter? Or... Yeah. Uh, gosh, I'm what gonna, is? Her I'm name? gonna do a, a super quick Google because <laughs> I'm that person who I'm like, oh my gosh! But she is well beyond. She's she's amazing. Um, mm. Zoe Johnson. Oh, oh yeah, uh, Yara Shahid Shahidi. Yara Shahidi. <laughs> yes, that. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. That, that name. <laughs> Beauty. She's someone who just, even beyond being an actor, like her and her every, she's just very driven and well beyond her years. She's someone who's like spoke, spoken up on a lot of matters as it relates to black lives, politics, uh, women thriving um, in the industry and, and all these things. So she would be awesome. <laughs> mm, I love it. I love it. And what show are you streaming right now? What are you watching? I am watching. So I'm a, I'm a Law & Order SVU fan, ride or die. So <laughs> I find myself just watching a lot of Law & Order these days. I like to, nice. you know, kind of figure things out. Nice. I can never, if it's on, I'm watching SVU. Like, I don't care if it was like from 1997 because some of them, which are actually probably more like 2004, <laughs> but it, it's so funny how like how far are your um, digital has come in a short amount of time. Cause you're like, when was this filmed? <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, I feel like a lot of like, even now go like, you know, there's 22 seasons of law and order. And I think when you watch wow. on TV, yes. So now I've been, and when I say oh, I'm watching shit. it, I'm literally watching ones that I haven't seen that they haven't shown on, 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 the, on TV. So wow. on, on Netflix, I'm like 22 seasons. So I literally just watched season number 22 and I was like, I didn't know any of these. So there's opportunity there, you guys, to see newer ones. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. What are you reading right now? Ah, I am reading Workplace Wellness That Works. Ooh. So it is a focus on really learning on the shift in uh, wellness that basically saying that the, the, the old way of pushing for wellness initiatives at a large companies is no longer working. So how can you uh, meet people where they are in the times where they are? Mm, good yeah. stuff. We'll end with this question. What is your favorite word? You just like the way it rolls off your tongue. Yes. <laughs> That's my favorite word. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, yes. That was so good. I'm with you. I was like waiting for the, I was like, is that the response? That's the it. That's oh, it. she got me. She got me. Oh, oh so good. <laughs> so grateful you came on the podcast today. I'm so happy oh. for our audience. They get to hear from you and you're such a valued part of our community. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you. So yeah. Much. Thank you. And if you, um, I would love for you to tell everyone where they can find you on social, wherever, um, how they can get in touch with you. Yeah, absolutely. So you can get in touch with me on Instagram. I am at Jim Hookie, G-Y-M-H-O-O-K-Y. 
Um, also LinkedIn, Ariel Belgrave Harris, and M my name is consistent across all platforms. So you can uh, search Ariel Belgrave Harris and definitely feel free to reach out if there's any way that I can add value into wherever you are in the stages of your career, I would um, be, be down to help in any way I can. Mm, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank <laughs> you.